Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. We're going to be looking today... um, like last week, we talked a little bit about, you know, as we're talking about a life of sacrifice, we're, we're looking at the areas of life that sacrifice is required, you know, because Jesus, you know, he made it very clear, you know, as you come to me, pick up your cross and follow me. If you, if you choose or desire to save your life, you're actually going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you're going to gain it. So right there, there's an instruction. We're being told what to do. It's like sacrifice what you know. And follow me and obey as I lead in what I say. Sacrifice what you know, how you've been, and follow me. Easier said than done. Come on. And last week we talked about reputation. We talked about reputation in the eyes of the world. You know, standing in good favor are, you know, people holding a good opinion about us according to what the opinions of the world are and the value system of the world. And so often it's hard as a believer because the value system of the gospel and of God's words, it's, it's completely opposite of the, of the world's opinion and value system. And sometimes we have to be willing to give up the worldly reputation that we have gained to actually find a godly reputation where life is found. And if you didn't hear that message, go back and listen to it. it, it, it should, it's going to set up today's, because we're talking a little more about reputation, but a little different angle, but it's still very much about how people perceive you, but more importantly, how you perceive yourself and how you operate. So I'm going to read to you, first of all, from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 13. So Paul says this, for if we are beside ourselves, crazy, insane, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Here's that that, that, that sacrificial type of language being used here in vocabulary, a sacrificial mindset. But for him who died and for them and rose again. But again, in the context of this, he is saying, you know, because Jesus died and set the example and he died for all, then all must die and live for him. It's just how it works. But notice what he says in verse 13. He says, for if we are beside ourselves... For if we are considered crazy, if we are considered insane, if we are considered irrational, it is for God. Think about what he's saying. Paul, a very educated man, a Pharisee of all Pharisees, highly respected, now considered crazy and insane. And even by his own church that he planted because Paul continued to put himself in harm's way for the gospel. He kept putting himself in position where he could die, he could be murdered, he could be stoned. I mean, there's there's a list of all that Paul had to endure. And the people of Corinth were like, you know, sometimes we think you're a little crazy, bro. Are you sure this is God? But he's like, yes, yes, it's for God. And so we need to land right there. Who would love to be labeled as crazy? That Russ, he's insane. Right? Who 
would say intellect and wisdom and sound mind are highly valued in our society. Yes. Is there anything wrong with being intelligent? Is there anything wrong with with building knowledge and growing in your expertise in whatever area you've been called to? No. But God will not lead you according to your intellect and understanding. I'm going to show you that God will always lead in the way where you have to rely on God's intellect and God's thoughts and God's ways to walk in his will. That's what faith is all about. It's the evidence of things not seen, you know, the, 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 the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The very nature of faith means we got to put this aside because there's nothing wrong with intelligence. It's a God-given gift. Reasoning. And wisdom, and not, it's, it's a gift, but it's a gift that needs to be submitted to the Lord or else it becomes a barrier to your walk and to your witness. Because who's ever been in a situation that you knew if you opened your mouth that people in the room would be like, you are crazy that you even believe that. Or you're one of those crazy folk, right? You're one of those lunatics. You're one of this. You're like, I don't, I don't want to, I, you know, I don't, I, I can do without that. I want to maintain my reputation as a very smart and wise individual. But let me show you something here. 1 Corinthians 1.18. It says, for the message of the cross is what? It's crazy talk. To those who are what? But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Can we just stop there for a second? Because this is why. We have to understand where we start in this faith. We have to start right here with the basics of our faith. Because often our intellect gets in the way of God's leading. It's like, that that doesn't seem smart. This decision doesn't seem smart. This decision doesn't seem wise. We're not asking God for wisdom. We're just, we're judging it, saying, this is insanity. If I do this, if I say this, this is nuts. Let's just start with what we believe, We all believe that a man, Jesus, walked the earth 2,000 years ago. He lived perfectly. He was God living as a man. He was both God and man living perfectly. And then he allowed himself to be murdered brutally. And then magically, he raises from the dead three days later. Not only that, then he flies in the air back to heaven And then he sends his Holy Ghost, his Holy Spirit, to live in us. Guys, that is crazy talk. It is. It's nuts. I just want, do we believe it? Is it crazy to the world? Right. So let's just start here. If God starts us out crazy, he's going to continue us on the crazy train. (laughs) Come on, you all. But there's no place we would rather be. What you're going to see, read the Bible from cover to cover, and you're going to see God never led anyone by their intelligence, but he messed with their intelligence so that he could do mighty things through them. Often God would say, do things that were impossible, and they're like, are you sure? Are you serious? This is nuts. He's like, I am. 
So we have to start with where we are, what we start with. It's foolishness. So with that, we, what's a start right here? We have to be able to sacrifice sound mind as far as the world is concerned. Sound mind as far as the world is concerned. Does that mean I'm telling you to turn your brains off? No. We have to sacrifice our own understanding. We have to put it aside and seek his understanding first and even be willing to move in the direction that God is moving us as our brains are saying, this is nuts. This is nuts. If I say this out loud, this is nuts. They're going to think I'm nuts. If I make this decision in my life, this is nuts. This is not smart. This is not smart. So we have to look at ourselves as we're going to see and begin to say, all right, Lord, help me see where my mind is getting in the way, where my intelligence is getting in the way. Again, intelligence is a gift, but if it's not in the hands of God, it works against you. See, God, as much as he has made nature, as much as he has made all the laws of nature and, 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 and by the, the circumstances, not the circumstances, but the principles that form the life that we live, he has the power to intervene and disrupt that. That's how he works. I mean, we just talk about this Red Sea being parted. Let's talk about water coming out of a rock. Let's talk about you know, loaves and fishes being <laughs> multiplied. Let's talk about Jesus raising from the dead. I mean, you see what I mean? God, though he has created structure and given us understanding, he doesn't want our intelligence. He doesn't want science. He doesn't want to get public opinion in the way of our obedience and following him. And often, like Paul, it might lead us into very dangerous situations that seem crazy and not smart, but he's like, go so I can be God. All right, I'm going to keep... Keep preaching. For it is written. Watch what Paul says. For it is written, I will destroy what? Of the wise. And bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Translated, the intelligence of the prudent. God is speaking about his own creation. He has given us intelligence. He has given us this worldly wisdom and understanding so that we could walk you know, in, a, in a safe way, in a safe manner. But what he was saying is those are a hindrance to faith if not yielded to him. So he's like, Jesus comes down. He's like, with the message of the cross, he destroyed wisdom. He destroyed what people were anticipating as far as the Jewish people and what they thought the Messiah would be and what he would do. He destroyed it. Because their intelligence and their wisdom was actually standing opposed to the will of God. And it blinded them to the fact that Jesus himself, the Messiah, was walking on earth. And if they're susceptible, so are we. We could get way too prideful in our intellect. We can. Just like with anything. Any talent, any gift that we have, it could become a source of pride if we don't continually yield it to the Lord. Say, all right, Lord, I don't want this to get in the way. Use it how you see fit. You gave it to me. But don't let my intelligence help me justify things that you're not justifying. Don't let it close doors that you're trying to open. And again, we start with the very message of the cross. It's foolishness. 
Verse 20, now, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. (laughs) The foolishness of what was preached. Not that, well, that was a very convincing argument. Well stated, well supported. Well documented. Wow. Bravo. No. We preach Christ and Him crucified. What does that mean? Well, if you had the Spirit, you would know. And I pray that the Spirit move up on your heart to receive it because only the Spirit can discern those things of the Spirit. So, for Jews, request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. This was the culture at hand. They had the Jewish culture looking for a miraculous sign of the Messiah that would deliver them, looking for a sign that would never come because they were looking for a wrong sign. They were looking for someone that would say and do the things that would say, we are going to be delivered. We're going to become our own people again. We're going to be delivered from out under oppression. We're going to be our own nation again. But everything Jesus said was foolishness to them. The signs that he was given to them were not the signs that they were looking for. If anything, they called him a de- demoniac. He was possessed. As he cast out demons, he says, well, you're a devil. They called him a devil. He's like, how can I cast out a devil by being a devil? See, they didn't get it. It didn't make sense. And these were the ones that studied scripture. They had the intellect and the understanding and they missed it. And then you had the Greeks. They're more like us. They pursued wisdom, usually expressed in high academic philosophical terms. They were obsessed with academics, obsessed with, uh, obsessed with philosophy. They, they were obsessed with thinking through things, things to make sense and putting things together. They didn't value the wisdom of the cross. It wasn't wisdom. It was stupid. It made no sense. And these were highly educated people. Again, we have to remember how we started and what we start with and what we proclaim every day, every time we get together. It's the message of the cross. And then from there, we then have to believe that God will work and do as he sees fit, according to his abilities and his understanding, not our own. And in verse 23, he says, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. Notice that Paul, having full knowledge of what the message, how the message was received in his culture, like he had the polls. He would look at the polls and say, well, the Jews think this is a stumbling block. This is, this is a scandal to them. And then, you know, the Greeks, well, it looks like most of them, 85% of them think this is foolishness, is insanity. Guess what he did? He kept preaching the cross. He didn't bow down to the opinion of culture. He didn't, he didn't like dumb it down so he wouldn't be considered crazy or out of his mind. He's like, well, this is how people are thinking right now. I'm going to keep preaching it. I'm going to keep living it. And I'm going to put myself in harm's way to be a deliverer of the news. Don't be afraid to look (laughs) crazy. And you know what I'm saying as I'm reading the word. Because what we believe and what we speak and how we live will be considered a little insane to people that don't have it. 
But we keep yielding to popular opinion. We keep holding on to our intellect because with our intellect, we have everything. It's, it's the core of who we are. It's how we move. It's how we live. It's how we think. It's, it's how we make decisions. He's like, if we begin to even put this aside, like we're losing so much. But if you're afraid to lose it, it's become an idol. It's become an We don't want our intellect to be an idol. We don't want our reasoning skills to be an idol. The word of God will lead you contrary often to what you think might be the smartest thing. Verse 24, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And God doesn't have foolishness or weakness, but that's what people consider the message of the cross to be. Your Savior was murdered. Your Savior was murdered? That's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. Sounds like a weak God to me. So if we start here, we have to continue here. So if we start with foolishness and embrace it because God has moved upon your heart because you receive it only because the Spirit of God has come upon your heart so that you can receive it, Sometimes we get it and then we put it aside and then just go back to, you know, operating our brains again. And we wonder why we don't feel like our life is growing or why we're still struggling. Well, let's look at this. Psalm 3, 5. It says what? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is the seat of your emotions and your thoughts. This is where it's your operating. It's your CPU. The heart is where everything about you makes sense of the world and makes decisions. And it says, trust in the Lord with all of this and lean not on your own understanding. Watch what it says. And lean not on your own understanding. He's not saying get rid of your understanding. He's not saying chastise yourself for being smart and having worldly wisdom. He's saying don't lean on it. Because sometimes we think a problem through, get the answer, and that's how we navigate. We lean on what we know. We lean our intelligence. We lean on what all statistics say. We lean on what opinions are saying. We lean, we lean. He's like, don't lean on that. It's a gift I've given you, but don't lean on it. That can't replace my leading. And so he goes on to say this. In all your ways, in all your decisions... And all your thoughts, and all your coming and going, and your day-to-day activity, small decisions, big decisions. He goes, acknowledge him, seek him, ask for wisdom, and he shall what? Direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be what? Health to your flesh and strength to your bones. So he's like, don't lean on what you know. Don't let what you know be your guide. Put it to the side. Just put it. And we have to learn to seek his wisdom and be willing to move understanding, our understanding out of the way so he can direct our paths. You see what he said? You have to start by not leaning and then he can direct your paths. Most of us are still leaning and how we pray is, Lord, do what I'm leaning on. Do according to my understanding, and then we're wondering why our prayer life is so frustrating. God never answers my prayers because you're leaning on your own understanding. 
You haven't given God one little bit of space to say, okay, I know I'm smart, but maybe that's getting in the way. I know I'm closed off, but I justify it, but maybe I need to open it up so God can speak. Because this is what it says. If we can begin to do this, watch what it says. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Do you know the greatest source of anxiety and fear is our own intellect? We are scared, fearful, oppressed, tired people because we are constantly leaning on our own understanding, and that's a lot of pressure. And our understanding is changing, and sometimes we really don't even have understanding to deal with what we are facing, but we're still trying to navigate through our own intellect, or what science is telling us to do, or what this person is telling us to do. You see what I mean? Who would like to have a little less stress? Woo! Stress comes, but it can overcome too. He said, it's health to your flesh. It's like the peace of God and allowing him to speak into your life will actually help you be healthier mentally. But if you're constantly paranoid, constantly scared, constantly this, everything you, everything is, and it's coming at you and, it's, and, just, and it f- just fuels that fear. And then you act from that place. It's like, God's like, let me in. Just give me some space. It starts with space. Jeremiah 17, 5. Thus says who? The Lord. Here's a nice promise. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. That's the all-encompassing flesh, the heart, the intellect, the reasoning, the emotions. Cursed is the man who makes that his strength and his navigator. Cursed. Because you're bound by your own understanding. You're bound by your limitations. You're bound by sin still in your life and area. You're bound by past experiences in your upbringing. You're bound by so many things. But if you're constantly trusting, he's like, you're cursed. You're not experiencing the life of God in your life. Because <laughs> there's too much trust in what you think you know. But yet, it says, whose heart departs from the Lord. There's more promise. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert. And shall not see good when it comes. But shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness. In a salt land which is not inhabited. And some of you might feel like that. I'm just, I, this is desert time for me. It's a dry time for me. I'm just thirsty and I want more of God, but he seems to be gone and this. And I, it just, you know, nothing's moving. It's like, well, let's see where your trust is. Guess what that takes is time and space. We're so quick to trust what's happening between our ears. Again, God gave us intelligence as a gift and as a tool to follow him, not to be disobedient and justify disobedience. So I want to show you how this plays out, though. This is really important, because if I haven't convinced you yet that it's important for us to begin to look at our understanding and yield understanding in quiet time, being dedicated to allowing space, watch what it can do. Matthew sixteen twenty one. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. That's crazy talk, y'all. That is crazy 
taught. This is not what the disciples signed up for. Okay? This is crazy talk. But it was the will of God. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. That's sanity right there. That's sound mind. That's wise. That's how many of us probably deal with some things in our life where we feel God pushing us one way. No, 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 no. No. That makes no sense. That's dangerous. So Peter, thinking he is wise, rebukes Jesus and says, no, 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 far be it from you, Lord. This will not happen to you. Now watch, though. This is so important. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Peter. Why did he say Satan? I'm going to show you. Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You do not have the understanding of the things of God, but the things of men. But he calls out Satan because of this. The word offense, you are an offense to me, means a trap and a snare. You are a trap and a snare. It also means any person or thing by which one is entrapped and drawn into error or sin. This is why he addressed Satan. Satan already tried for 40 days and four, right? 40 days to tempt Jesus into disobedience. Now he's trying it again through Peter, through his intellect, through his reasoning, through his understanding. He doesn't call out Peter, he calls out the source of that thinking. He calls out the source of the rebuke. See, Jesus saw that Satan, the accuser, was behind it, and the deceiver was behind it. And it's, it was about Satan and Jesus coming together in that moment. And Jesus recognizing, like, Satan, you're not going to be a snare or a trap to me. I'm going to fulfill the will of God, as crazy as it is. We can be the, uh, the facilitator for deception through our own intellect. We could be ensnared and trapped because of our intellect, and we stay disobedient because it makes sense. And the whole thing about being trapped or ensnared is you could have all of your limbs, almost all of them free, you're growing, but if you're not dealing with your whole self, you could have a foot caught in a bear trap. And you're wondering why I can't move. Why do I feel stuck? Because there's some areas in your life you have not yielded to him, and it usually is here. And if the enemy of your soul, who is a liar and a thief, can get you to bite on that, he's, just, he's ensnared you. So we have to be okay as a people of looking at everything. It's like, all right, Lord, my whole heart, I, I, I trust in the Lord with all. All of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding because it's flawed. Even if you're the smartest person in your class, it's flawed. It doesn't stand up to the wisdom of God. Jesus knew that. That's why he called out Satan. And sometimes we got to say, not today, Satan. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're possessed by Satan, but there's a type of thinking that is lawless. It is of the world. It is anti-will of God. But we bite into it because it's elevated. Intellect is elevated and it's worshipped. Reputation comes through our understanding. Oh, you're so wise. 
You're so this and you're so that. It's like, yeah, if it's not in the hands of God, you're really not wise. <laughs> you're foolish. You're cursed. So this is impetus for all of us to say, all right, Lord, this is where we start. You want to know how to start every morning? Isaiah 55, 8. Because we got to give them space. So the only way of getting out of the trap is to locate the trap. <laughs> for my thoughts are not what? Is this truth? Huh? Is this truth? Yes. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's a statement of fact. Why do we continue to close off God and rely on our own thoughts? But his thoughts may not even be our thoughts. They're actually better. They're more powerful. They see the world without limitation. We do. We see danger all the time where God sees opportunity. So, Lord, help me see where my thoughts are not your thoughts. Help me see where I'm relying on my thoughts, even if it's in the very middle of what I'm good at. Help me. You know, this is why we have to cry for help. This is why this prayer focus is so important because it should be something, it needs to be something daily that we seek the Lord. We have to ask, ask for his wisdom. I'd sit on a little video this week. Some of you might have seen it. Some of you might, not, might have not seen it. But if you're not asking, you're not receiving. This is what happens with intellect. We just rely on it just like that, and there's no asking. It's like pulling up to a drive through at McDonald's and rolling your window down and say, can I help you? And you don't say anything. Just hoping that they give you your Big Mac. <laughs> I hope they give me what I want. No. You got to ask. You got to open your mouth and say, I would like the Big Mac. I would like the supersized fry and the Diet Coke. So I got to watch calories somewhere. <laughs> two Big Macs, two fries, and just make that a small Diet Coke. So I got to. That's one of those places I could have kept going on and on, but I didn't. <laughs> but we got to ask. Ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom. Ask for direction. Even if you think you're totally right. That's when it's harder. Even if you think you're totally right, ask the Lord to correct you if you need to be corrected. And when you ask, you will receive. It's promised. And more importantly, you're going to receive it through the Spirit, not through your mind, because it's spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 2.12, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from where? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches Comparing spiritual things with spiritual, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness. Wow, come on, y'all. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. It's, it's It's a difficult road. It's a retraining, but it's so necessary. It's so necessary. And you have the Spirit of God so that it will make sense to you, even if it's complete insanity to everybody else around you, even to your own sense of understanding. But if God is saying stay or move or go, and you've already made up your mind to go or stay, listen, just listen. 
dare to ask the Lord for his will to be done, even if your will is already decided. I think all of us are strong-willed in some way. So it starts with asking. And I would say, you need people around you to pray for you. They don't even have to know what you're dealing with. Just say, man, could you just pray for me? I really need some wisdom. You just need people alongside of you praying for you. That's why you need to walk with believers. That's why you need to get together and gather and see each other and discern what the Spirit might be saying. We have to pray together. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be like, all right, I, have, I think I'm right here, but I don't want to be you know, out of line. I don't want to be in disorder. Help me. Just pray for me. So you have to get serious about it. But in that, it's life and health. It's purpose. It's discerning of God's will. And we have that to look forward to as we deal with our own minds. So last week I called you rejects. This week you're a bunch of crazy people. (laughs) Amen. All right. Do you want to close this with prayer so I can... (laughs) Lord, thank you for this message this morning. Thank you that we don't have to lean on our own understanding. Thank you that is a gift, Lord, that we can fully rely on you. For you know all things. We need to not lean on our understanding, on our circumstances or situations or our past, things that have been done to us. We don't lean on those things. Those are always changing. We lean on you and you alone, Jesus. I pray that uh, we can all stay strong in you this week and that we will not be swayed. We will not be moved like a tree planted by the water. We shall not be moved. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalachi.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.